Welcome to episode 33 of season 2 of the Search with Candor podcast. I am your host, Jack Chambers Ward, and this week I am joined by a very special guest. I am joined by Chloe Smith, SEO manager at Blue Array. You may actually know Chloe from their talk about menstrual health at Brighton SEO earlier this year in April, the regular London SEO meetups that happen arranged by Blue Array, and for being the creator of the fantastic LGBT SEO freak apparel range available on Redbubble. We will get into all of that and a lot more and we'll basically be talking about intersectionality in the SEO industry as our main topic later on in the show. Search with Candor is supported by Systrix, the SEO's toolbox. Go to systrix.com slash SWC if you want to check out some of their fantastic free tools, such as their SERP snippet generator, the href lang validator, checking out your site's visibility index, and their Google Update Tracker, especially relevant since we've had a Google Update very recently in the helpful content update, and you'll be able to keep track of that and how it affects your site's visibility using Systrix's tools. And speaking of Systrix's new tools, they have a brand new feature in the form of the SERP screenshot feature. This is newly launched earlier this week and is a very cool, very interesting feature. Basically, you can see what the SERP looks like from a screenshot, a snapshot of it, of the most recent data from Systrix for a particular keyword. And the very interesting thing is you can change the country to see what the SERP does from different locations around the world. So if you're working in international SEO and you have clients around the world or you're particularly looking to rank for particular keywords in various different locations and different countries, you can get an idea of how that SERP changes from country to country around the world using the new SERP screenshot feature. As I said, if you go into the keywords section of Systrix, you have SERP features, SERP intent, SERP layout, and at the bottom there, you will see SERP screenshot. I don't know, Mark has talked a lot about the compare SERPs feature. That actually has historic data, so you can compare how the SERP has shifted over time from your location. But the difference between that and the SERP screenshot is that the screenshot is literally a screenshot and you can change the device as well. So you get a visual representation rather than a table of the ranking URLs. You get a literal screenshot of the SERP itself, including all of the features and all of the extra stuff you see on there. So whether that includes map packs or featured snippets or whatever it is, you get a full idea of what the SERP looks like for that particular keyword in that country. So like I said, go to, if you're already logged into Systrix, this is in your keywords section and input a single keyword and you'll get the option to look at the SERP screenshot feature and you'll get an idea of what the SERP looks like for that particular keyword on both mobile and desktop as well. So you can actually flick between the two and check the time and date of that screenshot so you can see how recent the most up-to-date data is from Systrix and you get an idea of the differences there might be some differences in the SERP on mobile compared to desktop. And like I said, you can also change the location to see how the SERP changes around the world as well. So a really, really cool extra added feature to Citrix. And like I said, that's all under the keywords section once you're logged in to Citrix. So welcome to the show, Chloe Smith. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? 
All right, thanks. It's nice to be asked back. Not often that <laughs> happens with a podcast host. <laughs> I appreciate being asked back. That's very, very nice of you. <laughs> it's, it's reflex at this point. I, I feel like plenty of people, I, I talk about myself too much, so I need, need to talk to them as well. <laughs> I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. So for those of you who don't know Chloe, could you give us a little intro, Chloe, for the listeners who might not know who you are from your various uh, exploits and adventures throughout the SEO world? Yeah, like, like the shit posting on Twitter, basically. Um, Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. So I'm Chloe Smith. I'm an SEO manager at Blu-ray. Um, I've been with them for the past three and a half years now, nearly. Um, which sounds terrifying to me when I say it out loud. Um, doesn't feel like it's been that long. Most of my focus, I'm a general all-rounder for SEO, but huge focus for my current clients on content production, which is why the uh, incoming content update is uh, getting me quite excited. Outside of SEO, I am a writer, poet, and I read way too many books. I'm on 62 so far this year. <laughs> This is part, not not exactly how you came on my radar, but a little bit, <laughs> where my wife is similar to you in that she reads an insane amount of books and she reads incredibly quickly and I'm just constantly jealous of her and constantly amazed by her speed and just ability to recall stuff. And I'm there like, I'm on book number three and two of them are audio books and she's just blazing through these nah, novels. Audio books still count. That's valid reading. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. But... That's such an interesting combination because uh, I believe you studied creative writing mm. originally. So how is that transition now? Obviously, you're still keeping the kind of writing going with your poetry and your other writing there as well. How do you think that ties into your kind of SEO career? And what was that transition like for you coming from like creative writing to more kind of content based stuff for your clients? So I actually hadn't considered SEO as a job. Um, I'd, I'd not really thought about few it. Few of us do, I feel. <laughs> my first experience of SEO, I was 13, and my granddad, who was a maths and chemistry tutor, was telling me about how he adds keywords to his website to appear at the top of Google <laughs> results for tutor in Basildon in Essex. Nice. So nice. that was the, the first kind of like idea I had of it, but then didn't actually think about it again until I applied for the job at Blu-ray. It was the, the classic post-graduation I need a job and no one's giving me one because I don't have any experience. And <laughs> I accidentally applied for the SEO executive job at Blu-ray three times. Nice. Yeah, it was like I was going through Indeed. And you know how they don't tell you that you've applied? I think I, the final time I went through a recruiter, didn't realize it was through a recruiter. And then our mm. um, head of SEO at the time reached out to me directly and was like, I've seen your CV a few times now. Do you want to come in? It's <laughs> like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but like in terms of going from writing to SEO, a lot of it felt quite a, like a natural progression because it, obviously a big part of SEO is the, the content and the keyword side of things. But the steeper learning curve for me was more of the tech stuff. I remember going to my first client audit, my second day on the job, and I was writing down notes to look like important, but actually I was writing down things like, look up what a canonical is. <laughs> excellent mm. i know that feeling as well actually because i um used to be a kind of like pop culture journalist kind of thing did a lot of comic book writing and all that kind of stuff back in the day and that was kind of my transition to seo I ended up working for an english language school and then bringing like language skills and stuff and then writing for their website and all that kind of stuff so i can i can sort of relate and especially having that moment where you realize like oh there's a whole side of technical seo i have no idea about mm. And you're suddenly sat in a room and they're like, so what do you think? I'm like, uh, 
and exactly the same as yours like look up what canonical tags yeah. are <laughs> what I've, is an href lang <laughs> i've got clients that are more tech focused and because of that they think i'm a tech seo and <laughs> i'm like no we have we have specialist tech seos who do the work and then i pass it along to you and explain it in a way that i understand it um, <laughs> in, in a way that means that they understand it a bit better as well because i've like explained it in a way that makes me understand it yeah absolutely i think that that's totally been a kind of learning curve and a journey for me becoming like account leads and stuff in agency this isn't the topic by the way no. listeners. we will actually get onto the topic <laughs> we're, we're just chatting for the first 10 minutes but yeah i think that's an interesting thing like coming from me as a podcaster and then learning about kind of like communication skills with clients and stuff like that i think you're totally right being able to take really complicated things and kind of digest them, dissect them, translate them essentially into a way that less technical-minded clients are able to understand. I think that's a huge skill and an important skill for a lot of people, especially if working in agencies or if mm. you're working in-house and you know, you're reporting to a director or a manager who doesn't also know about the technical side of things. There's still that huge element of communication, right? That's such a key part of SEO in general, I think. Yeah, and I mean... My my written communication, as you may expect, is pretty good if I say so myself. <laughs> I'd hope, at least, if it's the especially the main on thing Twitter. I do that. Yes, well, slightly. Um, <laughs> verbally, it it took a lot of uh, learning to actually verbally communicate without umming and ahhing and apologising. That's the the key one. I I had quite a few notes on like client calls. It's like please stop apologising for getting a word wrong. <laughs> <laughs> i think that's something again we all go through yeah whether that's like being inexperienced or trying to you know, like you said being in a room with a bunch of people who know what they're talking about and you feel like you get that imposter syndrome kind of moment as we'll talk about representation of people of color people coming into meetings and and being the only person representing a particular marginalized group mm. in a room will become a whole other thing as well so oh, yeah that's an absolutely huge factor that I myself, as a cisgendered heterosexual white guy, don't experience, but I have seen happen with colleagues, coworkers, you know, all that kind of stuff. So yeah. Yeah. Shall we dive into the topic? Yeah, Shall we get on. into some some pretty heavy stuff and pretty a pretty big topic here? So I, I put little feelers out on Twitter a couple of weeks ago about topics to talk about on the show. And Chloe and I had a little chat and you came up with talking about not only representation in the SEO industry, but specifically thinking about intersectional representation and intersectionality as mm. a concept in general. Because I think it's a, thankfully, I feel like we're moving in the right direction in many ways. And we'll, we'll get on to some places where we are and some places where we aren't. But I think we're moving in the right direction. But understanding how intersectional representation works as a society and as an industry, I think is a huge part of the kind of the growth of the next steps of us moving in the right direction, right? Do you want to give us a little intro to intersectionality in general, if, in case the listeners aren't aware of that word? Yeah, all right. So intersectionality in in a, like the topic that we're talking about anyway, um, best way to explain it is when talking about intersectional feminism. Um, so it's the idea that we're not just addressing equality for one marginalized group but we're addressing it for all of the overlaps of these marginalized groups as well so an example is assuming that um including a single black person in your marketing campaign is enough to include all black people that ticks whereas, the box right yeah, yeah. <laughs> whereas if it's a black man then you're ignoring black women in your marketing if it's 
a, like a straight black person, then where are the queer black people? So it's, it's trying to address all of those intersections and it's not necessarily just two. So you could have, in terms of visible things, you could have a queer disabled person, you could have a black queer disabled person. So it's, it's looking at all of the, the different ways that the underrepresented groups um, that are protected by the Equality Act can be represented in different ways. Awesome. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting thing to talk about because you're totally right. And I think um, something I, I listened, listened recently to the SEO rant with uh, Maudie Oberstein, obviously hosting mm. that, and had Azim on as a guest. And Azim being a man of color, he was talking about representation in the SEO industry and specifically talking about conferences. Mm. And they nailed exactly what you said there you get these kind of conferences where it's like yeah we've got one person of color that'll do or we have one woman that'll do and they don't think about also representing as you said the queer community the disabled community different types of disabilities different Mm. people and and groups within groups of the queer community as well and i think it's a fascinating thing that you know like i said i feel like we're moving in the right direction but we still see so much of that kind of tokenism bollocks essentially yeah. that we're just kind of like yeah that'll do we've we've ticked one box because we were dragged through the hedge and had to basically otherwise you know one of the directors would tell us off or you know some marketing team told us that we could get more customers if we include mm-hmm. a person of color or something like that i think moving in the right direction is at least how i feel about the the industry do you feel the same way as, as a as a queer woman yourself do you feel that and, and a member of the table community as well do you feel that's something that's moving in the right direction in general <laughs> i think i think it is moving it's it i can i can like, admit it's moving whether it's moving quick enough is the bigger question i mean like uh, so being in the seo industry for three and a half years in that time i have seen things move in a substantial way obviously um seeing the women in tech seo community grow to what it is now Shout out to Women in Tech SEO. Yeah, Arreen's doing an amazing job. (laughs) Basically, every person I ever have on this show who is a part of that group is like, it's the best. Yeah. Uh, It's just, yeah, Arreen does an amazing job. Credit to them. As always, links in the show notes. If you don't know about Women in Tech SEO at this point, listeners, I highly recommend you go and check that community out. I've heard nothing but phenomenal things. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, and seeing other groups pop up as well that are dedicated to elevating um, marginalized groups Mm. in SEO, Rejoice with Be Digital, Chima with FCDC, and and all of that kind of stuff. Like it's it is happening and it's going, but is it going quick enough? And I don't have an answer as to how we can make it go quicker. <laughs> but it should. Well, be. We, if we've been off the old guard, that's how we get get rid of all the old white dudes who are yes. keeping us down, right? But that's a lot easier said than done mm. in SEO and in the world in general, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, I think there are obvi- always going to be groups who are represented more than others. But like proportionately, you're probably going to see in the UK SEO industry, you're going to see more white people than you are people of colour. Doesn't mean that's a good thing um, or that's the way it should be. Especially if you if you look at like the the idea of SEO influencers and stuff, mm. which I, I guess people would uh, some people would class both of us as SEO influencers. In, maybe to maybe some you, degree. maybe you're not me. I'm definitely not an influencer. <laughs> <laughs> Neither am I. I don't I don't have influence. I just post absolute crap on Twitter, and some people like it. If that's not influence in social media, what is posting crap and people liking it? That's the definition. 
Yeah, but no, I, I love that I have SEO in my Twitter bio. I don't really tweet about SEO. If I do, I'm taking the mick out of people getting panicked about algorithm updates. That's pretty much all I do. Fair. I mean, that, that's a valid use of Twitter, yeah. to be fair. But yeah, I think there, there are obviously these groups who are doing amazing things, but the onus seems to be on them to be doing those things. Mm. So where a, a key point that we actually, so we've got a diversity, equity and inclusion panel at Blu-ray internally that was um, established in 2020 around the same time as the Black Lives Matter protest kicked off here. And it was our way of acknowledging that, yeah, we're not doing as much as we should be, in, even internally ourselves. So it was, we were looking at things introspectively and one of the things that's been pointed out is that the majority of the people on that panel are in marginalised groups. Mm. So we're then doing the work to get ourselves heard as opposed to the people who don't have to work as hard to get heard helping us. Yeah. And I think that's a really big part of how maybe we make things move quicker in our industry Obviously, we have amazing people like Aleda, like Arise, who are elevating people as much as they can. But are there others in the industry that maybe should be doing that that aren't? Yeah, we need to harness the power of the the white guys, basically, to get. Yeah. <laughs> I was avoiding saying that because if I say it, they'll come for me. But I, I can say what I like. I'm, yeah. I'm, like I said, I'm a cisgendered heterosexual white guy. Nothing you say can offend me at this point, essentially. So I'm I am happy to use my privilege for good. And I think yeah. well, I think more people should be aiming to do that. And that was totally part of the not to like pat myself on the back here, I'm not doing that, but like part of that Twitter post I did was like talking about how I wanted to have more voices who people might not know of from different mm. communities or wanted to represent queer people in the industry, people of colour in the industry, disabled people in the industry, all the different kind of as we're saying here, the intersection of all those different marginalized groups, as a as a white guy with a platform, whether I consider myself liberal or not, mm. this is a platform and people listen to this podcast. So I wanted to go out of my way to make sure that it's not just me and Mark, two cisgendered heterosexual white guys. Hello, welcome to podcasting. Yep. And us just talking about <laughs> talking about SEO the whole time. Because there's enough bloody white dudes talking about SEO and podcasts already. So mm. as you said, trying to we need more people you know who are in those positions of power in the positions of privilege who then want to kind of be that positive influence and bring forward and i think we're seeing things like scholarships and you mentioned the fcdc earlier like what chima has been doing has been incredible for a lot of um people in african side of things in in tech trying to break out and Mm. you know being open to a global community and all that kind of stuff as well nationality is another factor of it even if you're not you know, a non-native English speaker. From my experience in English language, you know, working in the English language industry previously, that's such a huge factor of people like, oh, I didn't hire them because they, their English wasn't good enough. Yeah. Or, or, and factors like that as well. Even, you know, they could essentially, quote unquote, look British, which is a horrible term, but <laughs> they could look like me, but don't speak English. And then they don't get a particular role or they don't get represented or they don't get a particular... Which is ridiculous. It's okay. insane, right? <laughs> so my, my partner's currently doing a PhD that is really nerdy, but looking at the impact of speaking more than like one language on your brain function. Oh, cool. And while I don't understand all of it, what I do understand is the people who speak more than one language are better than all of us. 
I, as a man who speaks one language, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> I am so envious of multilingual, bilingual, polyglot people. They just can yeah. constantly blow my mind. And yeah, I think that's a that's a part of it. It's those non-visible signs mm-hmm. of you know marginalized groups as well. Talking about disabilities as well. Not all disabilities are visible. Mm. You don't necessarily see people walking around like missing a leg or walking around with crutches or whatever. Like mm. There are certain elements of visible disabilities, but there are so many other ones that both physical and mental, don't go represented because people just don't acknowledge them. They don't even get a, a seat at the table to even have that conversation. Yeah, I mean, so I, I use a, a walking stick a lot of the time. So I, I have an invisible disability called endometriosis. In short, my womb lining is growing on my other organs and like makes them fuse together. It's It's kind of horrific. Um, so it causes chronic pain. And to get around, I use a stick. But clients don't see that. So when mm. we're all virtual, I get, obviously, they see me from like the waist up. Yeah. And that's it. And then we had some come to Brighton um, in April, like to come and have lunch with us and stuff. And that was the first time that a client ever saw me using a cane. Right, and yeah. That that level of anxiety, that it, it was unfounded. Like they were totally fine with it. They're like, oh, cool. But it's that kind of, extra layer of right well this is the physical manifestation of the illness inside of me who's like who's going to see that who's what are they going to think um i nearly almost to like make a point i nearly took it on stage with me at my brighton talk just (laughs) because i was like here i am i i am one of these people because i'm very conscious of the fact that outwardly i look like a cis straight white woman yeah so like my partner is a man um while i'm bisexual outwardly i look heterosexual so i'm very conscious of the fact that i do have a lot of privilege i pass and all of those things so sometimes it it feels a little bit nice for people to be able to acknowledge that i'm not able-bodied i Mm. am sick um but it's it's not the be all end all for me if that makes sense yeah absolutely i think passing is is a huge term for for listeners who don't know i'll give my quick little like understanding of it as if it's essentially at first glance do you appear to be a part of that marginalized group like you said with your disability there chloe like people wouldn't know looking at you on a screen as we're on this video call right now i would have no idea you're part of the queer community you're disabled anything like that you're just there in front yep. of me on the screen and you would have no idea about it so being able to I, I have friends who have been like mixed race for example and they pass as caucasian because mm-hmm. one of their parents was white and they're very light-skinned but they are still a part of that community of their other nationality and their other heritage whether you like it or not and i've seen so much stuff we're going off on a bit of a tangent here but i've seen so much stuff talking about this in like film especially mm-hmm. for actors and it it can often come from a place of good intention for the most part where you're like oh i want a you know a black character to be played by a black actor i want an asian character to be played by an asian actor and then sometimes like ah but you're not asian looking enough i'm like hold on a minute yeah that you can't be the judge of that you don't judge people being you know enough of anything to represent their groups that's that's bullshit it's (laughs) yeah no i agree i think like 
some people, if if we're talking about disability representation, would look at me being able to like now. I so obviously no one can see. I'm using a standing desk. I'm standing unaided. Am I still disabled enough to qualify as disabled? There you go. Yeah, you need so, you need to be at like at least seventy percent disabled to qualify as like no like that's not first of all how do you measure that stuff like that's that's nonsense but i think i think it's interesting i kind of as i said there like a lot of it can come from good intention but i think there is a lot of not only ignorance but Mm. certainly from what i've seen again being a cis hair white guy some nefarious stuff from people wanting to you know maintain their spot in the industry or in society in general Mm-hmm. Not we're not going to get into politics, but oh boy, we could. Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think that's a huge thing as well. Have you experienced that yourself? Like a being, you know, a woman who has done speaking at conferences and stuff like that. As a, as a female presenting person, do you have you like been rejected for pitches? Do you know if there's been any kind of factor in that? Has anybody like again, as you said, like reacted to you walking up with a walking stick or anything like that? Not that I'm aware of yeah it's it's never been outwardly like vocalized to me that Mm. that is a reason why i may get rejected for something but i mean a a good example of me conforming to things so that people don't do that is when i was applying for jobs out out of uni um my my mum was like right well just just so you've got the best chance make your hair a natural color oh god um, don't tell people that you're disabled um don't say all of these things just in case because i'm worried that people will not hire you and it's it's that kind of thing that obviously it shouldn't happen but it very clearly does to the point that then people like me and obviously then people who aren't white as well probably to a, a like a, a much wider margin want to uh, feel the need to conform to these kind of things to make sure that it's not quite an even play- playing field but it's more even than it would You're have trying been. to level it out right yeah mm-hmm. i know a, a friend of mine who's of jamaican heritage his father gave him a quote-unquote english sounding name mm-hmm. born in the uk he's british but gave him a british sounding name so he wouldn't run into that kind of issue going forward and that yeah. and he had that conversation with me a few years ago I've known the guy for years and again me as me as a white dude never even thought about that like my name is jack chambers i'm now jack chambers ward through marriage i was like i like it never even occurred to me that my name could be an issue there but well i mean fact- if we if we think about mine i've got the stock photo of names comes me <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we're so, we're yeah. we're both pretty pretty bland in the old uh, name category there, but yes. yeah, the <laughs> fact that it, it's those kind of again talking about unseen things, those unseen battles that so many people go through, the fact that you have to consider like how your children will be judged even before they're even born mm. to have to give them a different name, or as you said, as you're applying for a job, you need to like I know people who have like don't have their natural hair color or have natural hair from being an african-american and things like that like oh you need to get rid of that afro or shave that mohawk or whatever it is like having to conform to society standards Mm. there and i think that's such a again me i I just slot in naturally and i feel very privileged because of that but i find it fascinating there are so many people going through these kind of 
unseen, untalked about, unmentioned things that nobody really talks about. And that leads me quite nicely into the talk you did at Brighton SEO talking about menstrual health, mm. because that is something basically no one talks about. <laughs> and yeah. I, I find it fascinating that let, let alone, again, male presenting people, people who do not menstruate, not talking about it. A lot of people who do menstruate are taught not to talk about it. So there's even that stigma within the people who should definitely know about it and be taught about it and be educated about it. Um, I'm, I'm guessing that was quite a big factor in you doing that talk. And, and I know you've integrated that into the Blue Array uh, onboarding process, right? They have discussions about inclusivity mm. and diversity and, and menstruation at work and all that kind of stuff. Was that? I'm, I'm guessing that was a conscious decision of yours. Was that a kind of conscious decision to kind of be the person to talk about that as a as a person who can talk about it and be like, yeah. nobody is talking about this. Let's talk about it. <laughs> Let's open yeah. the door for this conversation. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so I can't take full credit for the idea for my talk. So one of my former co-workers, Steph Watley, she approached me. But I mean, we we had very open and frank conversations about menstruation over Slack while we were working, like the the usual, like, oh my God, I'm in so much pain today. It's absolute hell. Um, and she approached me and was like, do you want to do an internal session and we'll run a survey with our coworkers and we'll see what they think, like if they feel they can talk to their line manager, um, if they can talk to anyone at the business about menstrual health. So that's where it all started. And that was like December, 2020. And then I kind of approached her um, in like October, 2021, when I was first applied, like pitching for Brighton. I was like, would you mind if I did this? I'm going to like try and do a massive survey just of SEOs and digital PRs to see what their thoughts are. And she was like, hell yeah, go for it. Um, the main reason that I wanted to do that at Brighton was where I mentioned before that I have endometriosis, that is a menstrual health condition because it is directly linked to my womb and my ovaries. So that having to talk about that all the time and advocate for myself at work, not necessarily at Blue Array, but previously working in retail and stuff before I was diagnosed, that has led me to not shut up about it, essentially. <laughs> um I do not stop talking about my pain. Um, I, I find that as a line manager, it's very good to be quite open about how I'm feeling so that my direct report understands how available I'm going to be every day. And that kind of fed into it because I realized that, yeah, we've got women in tech SEO and we've got all of these things that are focused on women and people who menstruate, but we're not talking about the main thing that is universal for the most part in those groups so I was like hell yeah let's do it I got some slightly nasty anonymous responses on the I, survey I saw those on Twitter yeah, yeah they were pretty full-on again mm. it's those people who are trying to push the people who were trying to represent people down and and fighting back against like oh no I, I need to maintain my position of power and privilege yeah, but I, ste I steered into the skid, though, and made T-shirts out of it because they... Hell one yeah. Of, hell yeah. One of them was um, a, a big a big fuck you to all of the LGBT freaks entering the SEO space. <laughs> um, so me and my partner were sat there looking at it, and I went... Uh, I posted it on Twitter, and some people were like, oh, that would make a really good T-shirt. 
And then I'm not good at anything visual, hence the writing. So <laughs> my partner designed a t-shirt for it and it went on Redbubble. I think we made uh, around right, and around 80 quid for um, to donate to Mermaid's Gender. Nice. Um, because I thought if we're going to do this, then we might as well do it in a good way. But yeah, and then I just kind of approached it from a, a completely gender neutral perspective when doing the talk. And to be honest, that made me a little bit worried because I'm talking about something as someone who doesn't necessarily conform with the gender that I was assigned at birth. And I'm doing it in a way where I'm not saying women and I'm explicitly saying don't use female, don't use women in this talk in front of potentially hundreds of people. So I was quite worried. But the folks at Brighton were really, really nice and actually reached out to me beforehand and said, we're going to monitor social media um, just in case anyone is shitty about it. And then on the Friday morning as well, they kept, like, I had someone approach me and was like, we're going to keep an eye out just to make sure everything's fine. It was all fine. And like again, the worry was almost for nothing, but mm. it's still a very valid thing to be concerned about because... There are people who get up in arms if we remove gender and sex from a conversation around menstruation. Yeah, absolutely. And again, it's like we're talking about those, a lot of those people are the people that should be talking about this kind of stuff. You'd get people who are assigned female at birth to use the, again, trying to, I'm, I'm doing my best to try and use the correct terms here, but you get those kind of people who are like, oh no, you're not part of my group. And just because you menstruate, we're not part of the same group and blah, 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 blah. But I think that's a huge credit to Brighton SEO. I, I know I've heard from, talked to other people who have spoken there before from various different groups and have said very positive things. So that is really, really cool. Would you consider Brighton SEO as like one of the, again, kind of coming back to what Mordi and Azim were talking about and so many conferences doing this really terribly and having horrendous representation or even actively going against it. Do you think Brighton SEO is kind of that? feels like kind of a shining beacon almost of like having a lot of different people of color from different communities and different queer communities and all that kind of stuff. Yes, absolutely. And I think a key part of that is once you are confirmed as a speaker and you give them all of your details, you're then given an optional form to fill out that is their DNI survey mm. that is essentially like you, you don't have to do it. If you don't want to, it's all totally anonymous. But if you opt to do it it's asking you different things about um, your identity so that they get a better idea of what their split is as a conference and i think that's a really really key part of how they're doing what they're doing well whereas may like maybe other conferences and other meetups aren't doing it as well yeah definitely i know um lydia infante did a study of like gender gaps in seo publishing not too long ago mm -hmm. and was talking about the kind of difference in you know, we talk about the publishers very regularly on the show. When we're doing a usual news episode, we'll talk about Search Engine Land, Search Engine Journal, all the usual kind of places you expect to read SEO and BBC News from. And it was pretty staggering from uh, not surprising, unfortunately, mm. because ugh, the world is a terrible place, but, <laughs> but still kind of shocking to see some of those stats there. And I think having somewhere like Brighton SEO, and hopefully I've heard of a, a good good from a few other conferences as well credit to kelvin and the team at brighton seo yeah. for what they do and like you said monitoring social media can be such a huge thing again i can basically say whatever i like on social media and i'll get some probably 
angry Tories or Republicans having a go at me, but who cares? Whereas you could say just normal everyday stuff that has nothing to do with anything, but because of who you are and what you identify as, you will get essentially attacked and assaulted yeah. on online. And credit to them for having those kind of safety barriers and being able to kind of make sure everyone's comfortable and, and things like that. And I know that's something I try and do from again coming mm. from this platform as a podcaster as well like i make sure to confirm the guests pronouns before we start i make sure i understand what the comfortable talking about what they don't want to talk about if we're just talking seo they don't want to talk about any personal stuff that's fine if you want to get into personal stuff i'm also happy to do that like trying to understand that thing from my perspective has been a a big learning curve coming from my other podcast which is three white guys sat in a room talking about movies it's it's actually quite nice to be able to interview so many different people and kind of have this mm. discussion from you know so many different perspectives and i know i keep shouting out azim but shout out to azim as well i know that's mm. been a conscious effort from him and his digital asks podcast to have underrepresented people and even people you know who don't have ten thousand followers on twitter or whatever it is people who don't necessarily have a voice in seo i think that, that's a huge credit to Again, some people hopefully trying to make some positive changes. People who do have influence in the SEO community, people like Azim and Kelvin and those guys being able to push things in the right direction. So yeah, finger, and I think, fingers crossed. <laughs> I think your, your point on um, like people who don't have thousands of Twitter followers is like a huge point to make as well because you often see, and I know that it's something Azim's spoken about as well, you tend to see the same speakers popping up on the same li uh, on different lineups and... I know that it's something that um, for London SEO, which we run at Blue Array, that's something we try to avoid if possible. Like, yes, it'd be really, really nice if we had people who have a lot of clout, but the main aim is it's a small, really, really friendly meetup. Um, like it's, it's the best place for someone to do their first ever talk because it's a room of maximum 80 people. Everyone's there like after work, just there to have a good time. and it, I know that I've I've been to loads because I live tweet them, um, <laughs> and like it's it's just such a great crowd. So stuff like that as well. Um, and I I kind of I tend to make a point whenever we're talking about lineup. So I was like, okay, how many talks have they done? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's such a huge factor and huge credit to you guys who do run the London SEO side of things because there needs to be those opportunities as well, right? You need people to open the door to people who have less experience who are underrepresented who don't have a voice in the industry yet but they could do talking about what chima has been doing with the fcdc talk about women in tech seo those groups uh, give people opportunities to take courses they maybe wouldn't be able to afford or go to talks mm. they wouldn't necessarily be able to travel to all this kind of stuff and what you guys are doing i think again it's something azim talked about with morty on that podcast i know i listened to it like two days ago it's fresh yeah. in my brain and talking about how when you have somebody, you know, if you're looking to apply now, listeners out there, if you haven't spoken at a, a conference, including myself, um, you know, you have that, oh, should I, am I the right person for this? Like the chances the are is always yes. Exactly. Yeah. The chances are they're not going to throw you on the main stage in front of 2000 people because it's, if it is your first talk, that seems very unlikely, you know? You, you, it's possible if you've somehow really nailed an incredible piece and, you know, you, you're really, I don't know, <laughs> writing something that nobody's yeah. ever been seen before and you're, you're groundbreaking and all that kind of stuff. It's totally possible. But there are opportunities out there. You don't need to, you know, shoot straight for the moon. There are 
stepping stones there there are there is progress to be made with places like london seo and those smaller meetups i know we used to do search norwich here in norwich as well mm. mark and i've been talking about trying to start that up again soon hopefully fingers crossed um. I, I might if you do or i may have to make an appearance you'd be very very um, welcome uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah i think those smaller conferences kind of go under the radar a little bit and and like i said it's credit to people like you at blue array running those kind of shows and, and doing that kind of thing that give people that opportunity to kind of get their foot in the door and, and start talking and maybe in two or three years time suddenly they are at brighton seo and then mm. a year after that they're on the main stage and they're the headline act and they're the key speaker or whatever <laughs> yeah i mean like brighton in april was my first ever speaking slot um i'd never done it before but i i have the bonus of i i use well i still do i do performance poetry so i i have that experience in front of people anyway so i had less less nerves about speaking as opposed to the things I'm actually speaking about, which was kind of nice. <laughs> and I, I do think even even Brighton is a great place to do your first talk because for the most part, it is, again, a really, really friendly yeah. crowd. It's just smaller ones and less daunting for people who maybe don't have that public speaking experience. Um, and I mean, like, our, our lineups aren't perfect. Like, we we know that we've got things to do to diversify a little yeah, bit further. Um, I know that... Like um, I think my my team are organising the December edition. I think um, still to be confirmed. But I'm kind of like, right, well, how can we diversify this to a point that it looks amazing? But then I, in my head, I'm like, that's not the reason I should be doing it. I should be do, doing this because I want to elevate people, not to prove a point. So it's that side of things as well, and something that I think sometimes conference organizers get wrong it gets to a point that's a tick box exercise having things that are diverse and as opposed to i'm doing this because i really really want to make our industry better it's i'm doing this so it makes us look good mm. yeah absolutely and i think you'll see examples of that like you said earlier with the kind of the same kind of set of speakers coming back over and over again you might get one of them who represents a marginalized community and then mm. suddenly they're not available that year and oh look it's an entirely cisgendered white lineup what a surprise yeah. like uh, as soon as you don't have that kind of the one person who actually has their foot in the door suddenly it looks very whitewashed and very like oh what a surprise you know back to kind of you know i was gonna say the 1970s but that doesn't really work for the <laughs> seo community but you, yeah, you know what i mean 2015 right yeah yeah <laughs> 2019 i guess um, yeah. um oh coincidentally the year i started in seo there you go funny that yeah <laughs> you heard it here first Sloan smith made the seo industry diverse you kicked that door down yeah walking I stick and all smashed it down nothing. yeah yeah <laughs> but like i said i think you are i'm not to like call you an influencer not not to use the i word or anything like that but i think talking about menstrual health at, a, at the biggest seo conference in the world is a pretty big deal like not many mm. people like you said thankfully you had that kind of uh performance poetry experience but to get up there and know that you know thankfully you've got the support of the brighton seo team there but still you could still get a bad reaction from that crowd mm. and, and it took you know guts and and credit to you for doing it and highlighting something because again we hear so many talks and oh yeah you could talk about this part of this marginalized community and all this kind of stuff and as i kind of led into your talk there like 
How how many talks about menstrual health have you ever heard of in your entire life? I mean, my so in SEO, none. Yeah, exactly. As yeah. obvious aside from that. Um, outside of that, it's my mother, which I mean, again, not a very wide circle. Uh, <laughs> but like, she she does a lot of because we both have the same condition, so it's it's a similar thing. So she knows that it's something that we both know inside and out both literally and metaphorically uh, uh, i see what um, you did there yeah so it, it's kind of a topic that it's seen well feels quite easy to discuss because i mean for me it's been 12 years of this happening to me on and off infrequently um but again like i know it so why wouldn't i talk about it and i think that's re- the reason why some people talk about seo well, most people at SEO conferences talk about SEO, right? So <laughs> they know it because they talk about it because they know it. <laughs> yeah, it's the classic write what you know about kind of advice, right? Yeah. So many people say that to to new writers who are starting out, like, don't try and write your big like fantasy epic or whatever. Start with what you know, build a character you can relate to, build a story you can understand, all that kind of stuff. And yeah, I need to take that advice. <laughs> <laughs> don't we all? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so kind of kind of wrap us off and kind of pivot here a little bit and think about marketing and stuff like that how can i guess we as marketers think about intersectionality and how we can think about that from an audience perspective and how we kind of represent you know users on our websites or customers for our clients customers for our for our kind of brand or how do do we kind of integrate that and think about it and kind of integrate it more into our marketing again trying to avoid the kind of tokenism kind of stuff of like Mm -hmm. i want to appeal to people of color because i can make money from people of color that's not the right approach but (laughs) is there is there a right way to approach that do you think that that is a kind of way to boost that representation i think you you're gonna have people whether you're in-house or agency at a business who have done research on their consumers And that should be your first port of call, whether you're doing SEO or PPC to understand the people that they want buying their products versus the people who are actively buying those products. (laughs) Um, Because sometimes those intersect, other times they don't. They are often not the same people. (laughs) No. Um, So I think that's, that's key. And then it's thinking about, right, well, how are we targeting those? Because if you take... God, mother care, for example. I don't know why that's the first example I have in my head, but you're targeting parents. How are you then targeting not just mums, but dads? How are you then targeting single mums as opposed to just those in a nuclear family? Um, mums of one, two, three children. So all of these different things come and into play even like regardless. You know, foster parents adoptive mm-hmm. parents or non-biological parents who are caring for relatives and stuff like that yeah there, there's so many different directions you can go and so many different again that's us just brainstorming something in mm. in 30 seconds <laughs> let alone actually yeah, doing research about it like, like thinking about all of these different people that you're going to target no matter what discipline of marketing you're in could be above the line it could be seo so how are you using your expertise to actually focus on not just one client persona but all of them and i think that's that's the main 
thing that a lot of the time, especially in SEO, we don't consider as much because we think about the algorithm as the almighty entity that we need to please <laughs> and not the people that are actually searching for stuff mm. like we should be. And how are we focusing our content? So that, oh, how are we producing our content so it's readable? Are we making it overly wordy? Um, to a point that you need a specific level of education to understand it. So like, that then comes into class and education. Yeah, that's something that came up a lot when I was working with the English language school. So we had a system where if you're writing content for that website or writing something for, you know, we worked with like agencies around the world and that kind of stuff, you had to aim it to a particular level of English language understanding. So you couldn't write just, you know, phd level english or, or I, I can't remember the exact phrases it, it used but there, there were certain gradings of english so you had like a1 beginner a2 b was intermediate c was advanced all that kind of stuff um yeah and we had to make sure and that so influenced my writing in terms of like you said simplifying clearly communicating stuff it comes back to a, what you were saying earlier about clearly communicating tech seo stuff mm. like i'm not the most technical seo myself either I'm far more on the kind of content and general kind of side of things. But the ability to communicate that stuff to a person who doesn't understand it or doesn't have that education and doesn't have that experience is such a key factor again. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, like, so one thing that I learned pretty early on um, when I was, I, I briefly freelanced emphasis on the free um, between uni and starting a blur, right? Do, doing some copywriting and it was very much like the, all of the research I did was, right, well, in the States, the average reading age is eighth grade. So you need to write in a way that's accessible to high schoolers. And that that's the way that you need to focus on things. And that then comes into the whole emphasis in SEO now that it needs to be for users, not just adding in buzzwords and jargon because you think that's yeah search engines one we literally just had the helpful content update right this is oh i'm so excited <laughs> <laughs> hopefully filtering out that seo driven keyword stuffed crap and getting to actual useful stuff that is useful for actual humans using search engines yeah uh, like my favorite tool for testing readability is the herringway app because you can literally chuck it in and it tells you the grade that it's that your your writing is at Obviously, it's, it's focused on American English and all of that stuff. So it's useful to a degree for us as UK SEOs, but it's still a good indicator of whether your, your content is good and accessible. Mm. I mean, I've, I've got a, a working class background. It doesn't mean that my family can't understand like comprehensive English, <laughs> but it, it does mean that there are people who um finished school before their a levels and all of those kind of things and maybe you're you're making stuff in a way that then potential consumers aren't understanding um especially like like when you're doing b2b content a lot of working class people do start their own businesses are you creating your b2b content in a way that they can understand it yeah that that's really interesting again Hadn't even thought about class as a part of intersectionality here. And you're bringing that up like that is such a, especially here in the UK, again, not to try and get into too much politics because we'll be here all day, but that is such a huge factor, right? The, the levels of education, that, like whether that's 
current, you know, people working and as you said, starting their own businesses or people who started their businesses in the past. Like mm. I, I'm from working class background myself. Both my parents don't have degrees. I'm the I'm the first person, well, me and my sister, who's slightly older than me, were the first people mm. in our family to get degrees and stuff like that. And there's this weird kind of shift back round now, I think, where hopefully people are getting more opportunities. There's a whole issue with the education system here in the UK. Again, not to go off on a massive, I keep saying yeah. that, not to go off on a massive tangent. <laughs> <laughs> but hopefully we're seeing that, again, moving in the right direction, fingers crossed, all that kind of stuff. Hopefully we're seeing, you know, accessibility and legibility, readability, all that kind of stuff moving in the right direction. I will definitely leave a link for the Hemingway app in the show notes, by mm. the way, listeners, if you do want to go and check that out. Uh, I will also leave links for basically everything we've talked about there's a there's a there's a previous uh podcast you did talking about diversity and inclusivity really dives into a bit more detail about it as well and really discusses pronouns and that kind of stuff from various different voices not just me as a white guy talking to chloe so i will leave a link for that in the show notes as well of course links for the study i talked about the episode with morty and azim as well so yeah lots of homework for you listeners to (laughs) if you're interested Uh, and that's that i think is what it's about i think going back to what i said earlier about the marginalized people doing the work Mm. to elevate themselves the the way that we avoid that is by people who do have uh, any level of privilege educating themselves on the things that they don't experience themselves i mean i can never ever understand what navigating the SEO industry is like for, as a person of colour. So anything like that, I I do what I can. I, li- I sit and I listen and then I'll share things from Chima, from Rejoice, or like anyone, Azeem, all of that kind of stuff yeah. because I know that I can never understand it in a way that they do. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, we're about out of time. How can people follow you for your wonderful Twitter shit posting and and various <laughs> other things? And also, how can they get their hands on some LGBT SEO freak merchandise? Sure. <laughs> um, so I am at Chloe Ivy Rose SEO on Twitter. Um, the link to the uh, LGBT SEO freak is in my Twitter bio, but I assume it will be in the show notes it, as well. It's in it. All the links yeah. are in the show notes. You know the score by now. <laughs> yep. I am on LinkedIn, but I'm a lot more interesting on Twitter because I prefer it. Uh, everyone talks about how Twitter is a hell site, but I think LinkedIn's the hell site. So I avoid it. I agree costs. with you for the record. Yeah. I'm way more of a Twitter user than I am a LinkedIn user. But yeah. 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 So Twitter is the best place to find me. If Instagram's your thing, I just post poetry. So it's not the most interesting from an SEO perspective. <laughs> There's no sneaky SEO poems in there creeping through? No. No. I have tried and it doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we did um, AI-generated SEO horoscopes not too long ago, so maybe, oh my god, maybe Mark and I will have to work on some uh, SEO-generated poems and see what we can come up with. Oh please! <laughs> I, I do. I do a whole Brighton talk that's just doing like slam poetry that's written <sighs> by an AI. That would be so good. Okay, I'm, I'm pitching this right now. You and me, slam yep. poetry battle. If each of us generate AI SEO poems and the crowd decides in like a weird rap battle slam poetry mm. AI generated thing. There we go. Kelvin, if you're listening, we need to make this happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think we're going to finish on a better note than no. that. 
So thank you very much for joining me, Chloe. I really appreciate it. And like I said, listeners, go and check out all the links in the show notes to follow Chloe and all of her hilarious stuff on Twitter. (laughs) Thank you. That's all we have time for this week. Thank you again to Chloe Smith for joining me. I've been a big fan of their work for a while now, so it's very, very cool to finally sit down and actually have a conversation with Chloe. And I think we covered a lot of interesting stuff. Hopefully, you guys are inspired. If you've never talked at a conference before, you're inspired to at least think about and apply for your first talking experience. And if you're a person of a marginalized group or underrepresented group, I hope you feel empowered and emboldened to seek out ways to have your voice heard in the seo community whether that's finding communities like rejoice or the women in tech seo community or just chatting with the rest of us on twitter (laughs) i am jlw chambers on twitter i do tweet about seo sometimes and of course as i said previously on the show i have a whole host of guests lined up over the next few weeks and months and yeah there's some fantastic diverse Hopefully, that's been my plan, is to include a whole host of diverse voices on the Search for Canada podcast. I want to hear, if you're interested in being a guest and you're listening to this right now, please do let me know. You can message me on Twitter, and uh, yeah, probably the easiest way to get hold of me is to send me a DM or send me a tweet there. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode, and I had a fantastic time talking to Chloe. And I will be back next week with some more SEO and PPC news and a lot of very awesome guests talking about a lot of interesting topics in the not-too-distant future. Have a lovely week. <laughs>